Turn your Bibles to the 100th Psalm, Psalm 100. And as you're turning there, you know I can't resist. What do you get when you cross a turkey with an evil spirit? A poultry geist. What sound does a turkey's phone make? Wing, wing, wing. (laughs) Why do turkeys like monsoons and horrible rainstorms? They love foul weather. What instrument, last one, what instrument do turkeys naturally play? Absolutely, drums. They're born with drumsticks. Amen. So Thanksgiving, right? And yet, the stores have had Christmas stuff out for weeks. Amen. Unfortunately, Thanksgiving has almost been reduced to the day before Black Friday. And that's really a shame because Thanksgiving is truly one of the rare holidays of the heart. Amen? Thanksgiving. To receive something and say thank you is probably the most honorable thing that we can do. Amen? We're acknowledging that we've been given something that we didn't earn and probably most often didn't deserve, but yet we received it. I want to share the origins of Thanksgiving with you for for our nation. In the spring after their survival of that first difficult winter, the pilgrim settlers of Plymouth Colony began planting their first crops. In the fall, with help from their uh, Native American neighbors, they gathered in their first harvest. With a spirit of excitement, the pilgrims invited the Native Americans who had helped them to join them in a three-day feast of wild turkey, venison, and vegetables to celebrate God's faithfulness. This first Thanksgiving feast in the new colonies took place in 1619. In 1623, Governor William Bradford of the Plymouth Colonies made this proclamation. Inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of corn, wheat, peas, beans, squash, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the uh, ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all you pilgrims with your wives and your little ones do gather at the meeting house on the hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the, uh, in, in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th of the year of our Lord, 1623 and the third year uh, since you pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, there to listen to your pastor and render thanksgiving to Almighty God for all his blessings." On November 26, 1789, President George Washington issued a proclamation for a nationwide day of thanksgiving. He made it clear that this day should be one of prayer and of giving thanks to God. It was celebrated by people of all religious denominations throughout this new country. 
Later, President Abraham Lincoln made a proclamation in 1863 designating the last Thursday of November as Thanksgiving Day, a day for the nation to give thanks to Almighty God. The date was later changed to the fourth Thursday of November by President Franklin Roosevelt in order to encourage shopping. But things in the United States of America started to change in 1962. That was the year the Supreme Court banned state-directed prayers in public schools. Then in 1963, the Supreme Court banned Bible reading for religious purposes in public school. 17 years later, 1980, the Supreme Court classified them, uh, or, or uh, court said schools could no longer post the Ten Commandments. The high court classified them as plainly religious. Their ruling said, and listen to this carefully, that the existence of the Ten Commandments in a classroom might prompt children to read them, to ponder them, to revere or obey those commandments. And that's how our na uh, national Christian heritage began to be eliminated from public life. William Bennett, who served as Secretary of Education under President Reagan, wrote, these, uh, wrote about these anti-Christian court decisions. He said, in too many places in American public education, religion has been ignored, banned, or shunned in ways that serve neither knowledge nor the Constitution, nor sound public policy. There is no good curricular or constitutional reason for textbooks to ignore, as many do, the role of Christianity in the founding of this country or its prominent place in the lives of many of its citizens. We should acknowledge that Christianity, from the pilgrims to the civil rights struggle, is an important part of our history, civics, literature, art, music, poetry, and politics. And we should insist that our schools tell the truth about it. So this week as we celebrate the Christian holiday of Thanksgiving, amen, let's remember what it truly means. And unfortunately in our nation, it can kind of be summed up by a fourth grader who had to give a report on Thanksgiving, and this is what he wrote. He said, the pilgrims came here seeking freedom of you-know-what. When they landed, they gave thanks to you-know-who. Because of them, we can worship each Sunday you-know-where. Unfortunately, that's how it's become in our classrooms. Amen? And this week as Thanksgiving week, we're going to hear people talk about how thankful they are for what they have, how thankful they are for their relationships and how thankful they are for this and for that. But the big question is, to whom are they thankful? Amen? To whom are they thankful? We rarely hear God's name tied to Thanksgiving anymore, do we? And certainly not the name of Jesus Christ. Very rarely do we hear the two associated with thanksgiving. And here's the problem with all this. When God is removed from thankfulness, then thanks is not given to the one it rightfully belongs. Amen? So what is thanks? Thanks is a gift of word 
or deed given in return for kindness that one receives. Amen? That's thanks. It's an expression of gratitude towards someone's kindness. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and came down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Everybody catch that? Every good gift, every good thing that we have in life came from the hands of God. Amen? We need to remember that and be mindful of that every single day. And this includes the very act of giving itself. That came straight from the heart of God. Amen? This is why God and he alone deserves our praise, and it's to him that we ought to be most thankful. Amen? Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Amen. Somebody shouted out that I was going to come up and sing. It'd be more like just a joyful noise, just to clarify. Amen. But today, we, we hear this great psalm, but today we are overwhelmed by fear and anger and anxiety, aren't we? Hardships, they, they tend to harden our heart. And this is certainly not the ideal environment for Thanksgiving, is it? You know, how can we be thankful when we're holding a grudge against somebody? How can we be thankful when we're living in fear and afraid? But the answer is that we can. We can absolutely be thankful no matter what the circumstance. Amen? Because thanksgiving comes from a, a much deeper foundation. It comes from the same place that we find joy. Amen? Thanksgiving and joy come from the same place. Remember, joy is different from happiness. Happiness is strictly based on our circumstances. Amen? But joy is not, neither is thanksgiving. Hardships and hard times can never steal joy or thanksgiving from our heart. Amen? No matter what. Someone once said, if you can't be thankful for what you've received, then be thankful for what you've escaped. Amen? Thankfulness should never disappear in times of struggle. Amen? Thankfulness should never disappear in our hardships, in our hard times. And this morning, I want us to consider the very foundation stones of thanksgiving. These stones that thanksgiving is built upon. 
And as we consider these foundation stones, it's going to help us understand to whom we ought to be thankful. Amen? First foundation is God's goodness. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. We hear that all the time, don't we? But what does that truly mean, that the Lord is good? Now, there's no doubt that there are many things about God that are good. Amen? We could, we could sit here all day and, and name all the good things about God. But what does it truly mean that the Lord is good? Here, it's, it's talking about his character. And when we read in God's word that the Lord is good, it specifically talks about two of his attributes. Mercy and grace. Amen? So every time that we read, the Lord is good, it's simply saying the Lord is merciful and grateful and full of grace. Amen? The Lord is merciful and gracious. We should always be mindful of these two attributes and what they mean. You know, what is, what is mercy? Mercy is not getting what we truly deserve. Amen? That's God's judgment. Because of God's mercy, through Jesus Christ, we don't have to sit in fear of God's judgment any longer. Amen? Mercy is not getting what we deserve. The Bible makes it very clear for the wages of sin is what? Is death. That is the rightful payment for our sins. As sinners, we deserve God's judgment. But praise God for Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans 5.8 For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. That's you and me. Sinners, the ungodly. Amen. Then we think about grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. Remember, mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, and that is redemption, salvation. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2. Skip down to verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Amen. Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. The Lord is good. The Lord is truly merciful and gracious toward us. Amen. The Lord is good. Psalm 34.8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses is the man who trusts in him. Very popular verse, but what does it really mean, taste and see? Taste and see. What does it mean? It means try him. Test the Lord for yourself. Amen? It's, it's actually an invitation. 
God is extending us an invitation. Taste and see. Come. Experience for yourself firsthand my goodness. That's what God is saying here. Don't just take someone's word for it. Come. Experience it and prove it for yourself. Firsthand. Amen. Jeremiah 33, 11. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The voice of those who will say, praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. And of those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of of the Lord. Amen. Those who will bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Who's brought praise in here for God today? Let me hear you. Amen. Bring in praise into the house of the Lord for he is good. Lamentations 3.25 The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. What does it mean to wait? What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? What is he talking about? For the Lord is good to those who wait for him. He's talking about sitting back, kicking up our feet, and just taking it easy, right? Is that what he's talking about? That's right. It doesn't mean sitting around doing nothing. It's referring to our service to him. Amen? When you go to a restaurant, a server or a waiter tends to your needs at that table, don't they? This is the kind of wait that God is talking about here. This is the type of waiting upon God. It means serving God. Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your, strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord means serve the Lord. You can, you can cross it out and write serve the Lord in its place. That's exactly what it means. Serve him with our time. Serve him with our words. Serve him with our testimony. Serve him with our giving. Serve him with our forgiveness upon others. Serve him through our prayers. We serve God by serving one another. Amen? Serving each other. And we need to serve him, serve one another with thankful hearts. Amen? So that is the first foundation stone. Second foundation stone is God's everlasting mercy. Going back to our original text, Psalm 100. His mercy is everlasting in verse 5. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. Can't help but think of Lamentations chapter 3, going back up to verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. 
Amen? Mercies. What are God's mercies? It's talking about his loyal love. It's the Hebrew word hesed, loving kindness. His compassions here. That's a strong but gentle concern for each and every one of us. And God says they are renewed upon us every single morning. Every other morning? Only the mornings after we've been extra good the day before? Is that what it says? What does it say? Every morning, no matter what. Amen? They are new every morning. God doesn't hold yesterday's failures against us. Amen? They are, his mercies are renewed upon us every morning. Let me tell you something. If nothing else, we ought to be thankful about that. Amen? Praise God. Let's get back to, to God's mercy, his loyal love, his, his loving kindness. It refers to his steadfastness, his compassion, his strength. We see a, a good example of that in the, uh, the, the, the minor prophet Hosea in the Old Testament. Hosea chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. God said, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. God's loving kindness has said, loyal, faithful love. It refers to a, a belonging together in a loving relationship. God is that, is that giver of that loving kindness. And we are the recipients of his said, that loving kindness. Here God was illustrating his said for Israel. And that was despite their continued unfaithfulness year after year. Amen? And the same is true for us. Even when we fail and we turn to the world and we slip and we fall, God's loving kindness is still renewed upon us every single morning. The essence of this, of this second foundation stone is this. No matter what kind of mess our lives have become, no matter how long things have been that way, we need to be thankful to our precious Lord because he stands ready, full of compassion and not guilt and judgment. Amen? He stands ready, full of compassion, unmovable in his steadfast love for us, his said, Renewed upon us every single morning. And because of his almighty power. Amen? He is able to help us out of whatever mess we're in. Whatever hardship we're in. He's just waiting for us to call upon him. And to cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you. I cannot handle this on my own. Amen. That's all he's waiting for. Nahum, 
1-7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. And we just need to trust in the Lord and let him be a stronghold in our time of need. Amen. That third and, and final foundation stone is God's truth endures forever. Amen. We talk, think about God's truth. It's talking about his unmoving, his unchanging faithfulness. When you talk about God's truth, truth and faithfulness, they can't be separated. They're one and the same. Amen? In Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. John, when he received the revelation of Jesus Christ, he says, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and true. Amen. You talk about God's truth, you're talking about his faithfulness. You're talking about his faithfulness, you're talking about his truth. Good illustration is is found in the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, believe it or not. Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. That word steady is the same word, the same root word that we get the word faithful. His hands were faithful until the setting of the sun. And just as Aaron and Hur held up Moses' arms when he had no strength of his own, our Lord does the same for us. Amen? He is faithful. He holds us up when this world just continuously knocks us down. Day after day. The world knocks us down, and our Lord lifts us right back up. Amen? He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is forever faithful. That's why we have this great 100th Psalm. Verse 3, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us. And not we ourselves. Look at the last part of verse 3. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. What we have to understand is that these foundation stones of thanksgiving are only found in who? 
his people, his sheep. Amen. And it's because of that that we can enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Amen. We can enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That means we can go directly into his presence because of Jesus Christ. The question is, are you thankful for our precious Lord this morning? Amen. And give him a shout of praise and let him hear it. Amen. Amen.